friends, this is episode five of the Bible for Beginners. And in this episode, we are um, not going to read too much from any one of Paul's epistles. Instead, we're going to just kind of talk broadly about uh, the Apostle Paul. Um, he is uh, at least 13 books in the New Testament are attributed to this guy. He was a, a powerhouse, probably the most uh, significant Christian theologian uh, of all time. Uh, Paul really was the one who took the the way, which was what the, the followers of Jesus were called, the Jewish followers of Jesus. They were the ones who just kind of followed the way of Jesus. And he, um, through his writing and the interpretation of his writing, um, he really kind of formed a, a religion, Christianity. Um, some people would say that, that, that Jesus, you know, wouldn't have thought that he was starting a new religion. Jesus maybe wasn't even a Christian. Uh, Jesus wasn't a Christian. Jesus was a Jew. Uh, he was, uh, he was the, the incarnate one. Paul, uh, through his writing, uh, through his um, direction that he gave to the churches at the time, the churches, again, were just small groups of people that met in different places, he really formed uh, the belief system. And since then, the interpretations of Paul, and there have been many and myriad, and they uh, kind of shared in the last episode, if you haven't listened to that, um, a lot of the interpretations of Paul came out of not necessarily the scriptures, um, but came out of the heads, the minds, the, the, uh, the agendas, the needs, uh, the culture, the history of those who were reading Paul and interpreted him kind of to meet their, their needs that they were um, dealing with in the, in the era that they were working through. And so Paul has been interpreted in all sorts of ways. And I want to get to that at the end of this time, but just a, a quick um, introduction to Paul. He is known as Paul or Saul. Um, either name is fine. One is, is a Hebrew name. The other is, is his Greek name. And he was a uh, a Pharisee of Pharisees, he calls himself. That means uh, he was training as ever since he was a young boy uh, to be a religious leader, to be a Jewish leader, to be a priest, um, to be one who uh, knew, studied the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, memorize it and then apply it um, both religiously but also legally. He would have been a leader, um, smart, well-trained, um, and very zealous. And uh, and. One of the things he was zealous about was, uh, as he was a, a Pharisee in training, uh, there were all of these people who were following this uh, this disciple. Um, I'm sorry, these disciples who were following this uh, this rabbi uh, by the name of Jesus. Um, we don't know if Paul ever met um, Jesus, but we do know that he met Jesus's followers and some zealous. Um, Jews at that time, other Pharisees like Paul, felt that the that the followers of Jesus um, were not uh, kind of following the law uh, appropriately, and they were kind of playing fast and loose. And so they persecuted uh, the early followers of Jesus, went after him, kind of tried to catch them meeting together and, and to get them thrown in jail. And that's one of the things that Paul did. He, he was basically a, he was a bounty hunter. He would go out and try to find these followers of Jesus, and it was on one of his trips to uh, Damascus uh, where he was going to find and kind of sneak up on some followers of Christ that were meeting there, that he uh, had an encounter with the resurrected Christ, that uh, a light struck him. In fact, there's nothing in the passage in, in, in uh, the book of Acts that, that says that Paul fell off a horse for some reason. We all say Paul got knocked off his horse. He, he was probably walking, uh, but he was blinded by a light, and it was uh, Jesus who came to him, the resurrected Christ, right? He said, Paul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, I've got a, I've got a calling for you, and I want you to go into Damascus. I'm going to send somebody to heal you. And 
Paul goes into Damascus, and uh, this poor guy named Ananias, who was a follower of Jesus, the um, Spirit of Christ says to him, "Hey, Ananias, uh, this you know Saul of Tarsus is in town." And, and Ananias is like, yeah, I know. That's the guy who persecutes people like me. I'm not going in there. I'm not going to go find him. And Jesus is like, no, you're going to go find him. And I want you to lay hands on him. He's be, he's been blinded. And I want you to tell him the good news of, of who I am. And so this Ananias guy is like, okay. And uh, he goes and finds Paul, who is physically blind, and, and lays hands on him and prays for him. And Paul's sight is restored, but also his spiritual sight is restored. And all of a sudden, he can see in ways that he never had before. And he uses his kind of his all of his training in the Hebrew Scriptures and his training and understanding of the Messiah just dovetails beautifully with this Jesus that he met on the way to Damascus who continues to speak to him. Um, and Paul is the one that kind of makes this bridge and takes... Christianity uh, or the following of Christ out of Jerusalem, which is where the the kind of the believers had had nested. Um, James, Jesus's brother, was the leader of the church in in Jerusalem. Uh, Peter um, was also; those two were both leaders. But they were having a hard time kind of getting out of Jerusalem. Paul, as you kind of heard me talk about early in, in the last episode, was kind of the 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 twelfth apostle, after Judas, you know, uh, was was uh, took his life. You know, Jesus kind of went out and found Paul. Said, "This is going to be my new apostle," and, and I, he he found Paul as he was on his way away from Jerusalem. And and that's what Jesus wanted. That's what the resurrected Christ wanted. Is he wanted his disciples to become apostles and to move out into the world and to expand the good news of God's love for the world. So that Paul was a great um, kind of bridge for that because not only was he trained. As a uh, as a Hebrew scholar and as a Pharisee, but his dad apparently was a Roman citizen, and Paul, so Paul probably broke uh, grew up speaking both Greek and and Hebrew. His mom and his his uh, his grandmother were both very faithful Jewish women who taught him well, and um, so he he was this wonderful bridge because after Paul spent some time, then he went back to Jerusalem, learned and and studied and. Uh, kind of adapted his understanding of faith and salvation and understood how well it fit in with Jesus Christ and how Jesus was the fulfillment of the scriptures, the Old Testament. He then went off on these uh, missionary journeys, we call them, right? The first missionary journey was just to the north uh, parts of uh, north, north of Jerusalem and up into what would be south southeast Turkey today, Asia Minor. And then the second missionary journey, he went up all in and around and through um, that area through what is today Turkey or Asia Minor. And then, then the, the third missionary journey, he made it all the way uh, to some islands and all the way over to Rome. And so it was uh, quite an expansion of the faith under Paul and really this bridge away from more of a, a Hebrew Jewish Jerusalem centered faith into a more a faith that was focused on Gentiles and the, the Roman world. And so it was, uh, he, he was a unique called person for that for that role and for that for that reason um the way we know about paul and the way we know about his um his uh, theology is that he as he traveled from place to place he would um start little gatherings he would get people together uh initially he would kind of reach out to just the uh, you'd go to synagogues and find uh, jewish followers and explain to them about jesus but after that became kind of more and more troubling he um did more of his, his focus on just uh, reaching out to um, 
the the followers of, or people who weren't followers of, of the Hebrew way, who, who were uh, Roman citizens or Greek speakers, and and uh, and these were called Gentiles by the Jews, and he he would reach out intentionally to people who weren't Jewish and try to incorporate them, and he was the kind of the apostle to the Gentiles. Um, and, and so everywhere that he went, he would gather folks together who were interested. He'd start conversations. He'd start groups. And he would teach. And, uh, and hopefully a, a, a group of folks kind of stuck together there, you know, became a, a community. And, um, and then Paul would bless them, and he would lay hands on a handful of them. And he would say, listen, you are going to be the leaders, and I want you to keep going and keep learning and listening, and, and I'll send you a letter. And he would then head off to the next town. And sometimes he was driven out of one town. He was oftentimes actually driven out. He was almost killed once or twice and thrown in jail and gotten out of jail. Uh, he had quite the life. But then what Paul would do is he would then write letters back to these uh, communities. And it was these letters uh, that got passed around. And uh, and really in, you know, somewhere in the, around the 50s and, and 60s was when those letters really... Um, became uh, kind of these traveling documents that got passed to all these little churches, these little gatherings, and it is, and they kind of pieced those all together. And that's how some of the, the initial kind of theology, understanding of how they were supposed to be the church, what they were supposed to believe, kind of came came out of that, right? And so there's 13 of the of the letters or the books in the New Testament are attributed to Paul. Um, probably uh, a good... Seven of those are understood to be definitely probably written by, by Paul, definitely probably written by Paul. And those are First Thessalonians and Galatians and First Corinthians and Second Corinthians, Philippians, uh, Philemon, and Romans, which is, which is the longest. Uh, th- then there are some dispute as to whether Paul actually wrote Colossians and Second Thessalonians. And then there's pretty much agreement that there are four letters, uh, four of his letters, Ephesians, First uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus were probably not written by him; written by somebody else. It shows just a, a different kind of um, different kind of writing style, uh, and really a different, a little bit of a different theology. And most scholars believe um, that these are pseudepigraphic, which means um, pseudo, which means fake, and pigraphic written by. So someone else put their name in on the top of those letters and gave them some more authority. But still, it was a theology that we, over the years in the Christian Church, over the centuries, have said, yeah, we believe that that is. Um, those are authoritative uh, writings. Um, the, the letter to the Hebrews was also attributed to Paul. Um, there's really not anybody who believes that that is the case anymore. Um, so Paul, you know, a lot of the New Testament written by him. The thing is that in these writings, he is writing on, on one side, right, of an issue, right? So when, you, when you're reading the Pauline epistles or any epistle, really what you're reading is, is like listening to one side of a phone conversation. Because Paul is writing to all these churches typically in response to some conversations he had with them while he was with them, or perhaps he'd heard something about what was going on, say, back in Thessalonica or Philippi, and so he's writing them as a response to something he's heard or perhaps a letter they've written to him asking for some input. Um, And so we're really kind of listening to half of a phone call. And, and so you have to understand that there's, there's parts of that dialogue that we're missing. We also know that uh, just by what Paul mentions in his own epistles is that um, there, there are other letters of Paul, most likely, that are out there that we haven't found yet that still might resurface in, in uh, 
In his first letter to the church at Corinth, he, he references an early letter. And so even though we call it 1 Corinthians, it's probably 2 Corinthians because he references my earlier letter. Um, and then he mentions in, in, uh, in his letter to the Ephesians, an earlier letter that he wrote to them. And so it's interesting. Uh, we, we've got this canon uh, that we believe is, is closed. Some do, but um, certainly could remain or uh, could get pried back open if, if we did find some of these other, other letters of Paul's. So they're episodic, and they're, and they're writing to specific things that happened and were happening in the church. They're one side of a pastoral conversation that Paul is having. Um, and, and the thing that is uh, one, of the, one of the questions or, or the challenges that, that I have and others have had with Paul is, is because he is writing in the first century to specific things that are happening in specific towns, specific gatherings of people, and specific parts of that known world. Um, what has happened over the years is that, as I said before, people have then taken Paul's writings and they have extrapolated from them something that he is speaking of in one issue, in one one town, or, or speaking in the midst of, of a culture, right, in a culture where um, perhaps uh, women were viewed uh, more as property than they were as, uh, as equal. In, in the church, um, in some of these churches that were meeting, these home churches that were meeting in the first century, Women were experiencing more liberation. Uh, in fact, um, Paul even mentions one of the first disciples as, as Junia, as a woman. Uh, and, and that Junia's name was, was actually changed uh, later to sound like a male's, uh, man's name because the early church and uh, the early, um, when I say the early church, I mean like in the 5th, 6th, 7th century, they weren't quite sure what to do with a, with a woman apostle uh, or a disciple early on in the writings. But Paul addresses women and addresses them in authority, uh, but still they would have found themselves in a first century uh, culture um, where women were treated more as property. And, uh, and so when Paul says, hey, in this church, um, you know, perhaps um, there were some, some women who were uh, prophesying, were speaking out and were leading, and, and it was maybe causing some problems. And, and so Paul says, hey, listen, I, I, you know, I prohibit a woman from speaking in, in the church. And, and, um, and, and yes, that speaks to Paul's worldview as, as a man um, at that time, and it speaks to the cultural norms of that time. Uh, but it also might just speak to the needs of that one congregation and what was happening there. And yet we have taken what Paul wrote at a certain time in a certain cultural context to a certain church, and we have extrapolated that and made that prescriptive for all uh, Christians, or at least some have in the past. And so the Bible, as we've talked about from the beginning, is a dangerous book because we believe it is a holy book. We believe it is authoritative. We believe that the Spirit of God speaks through it in powerful ways. But we can take some of these episodic, um, you know, uh, teachings that, that, that are time-bound, culture-bound, specifically for, for a certain community at a certain time, and, and we can make them into larger uh, doctrinal theological statements for all time, which they never were meant to be. And so therefore you can have Christians who say women are never supposed to teach in church or speak in church or, or the th other, other things that, you know, P Paul references, you know, if you think about racism and slavery, you know, Paul in some of his writings, you know, talks about how slaves should behave with their, with their masters. Um, there, there was uh, also a, a, an understanding that, that, that there is uh, 
that slaves could be and were set free and, and should be treated better by Christians. But um, but the fact of the matter is there there was slavery. It, it, it was a thing, and people had slaves, and, and Paul speaks to that as a norm uh, because that was a norm in first century Greco-Roman culture. Um, was he uh, sinful and, and kind of inherent uh, in his writings? Was there's this cultural bias, this norm towards slavery? Uh, yes, of course there was. Uh, was Paul a, a racist? Um, pr- probably he was, just just like I am, and and just like most of us are who are raised in a in a country um, as white people in, in in a country like the United States, where uh, there's so much um, white supremacy is kind of woven into our understanding of the world. Was Paul a misogynist? Yeah, probably. I mean, that he, that he just he just was. Um, do we believe as as Christians that the spirit of the living Christ continues? to move us out of Jerusalem, out of our home bases, out of where we are most comfortable and into a more expansive and gracious and inviting understanding of who is welcomed into, who is has equal seats and voice at the table. Um, yes, we believe that as well. We, we believe that Christ and the Spirit of the living Christ continues to reveal to us using the scriptures, but also through the different perspectives of, of new people, um, who are, who are invited into reading the scriptures and teaching and leading? They 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 see things there. You know, our our female scholars, our, our scholars of color, our our queer friends and scholars who who read the scriptures. They see things that straight white men from Germany or America or whatever would would not have seen. And that that's that's beautiful. That that's an understanding of the the work of the Spirit continuing to work through our lives, continuing to work through the scriptures but also in the world to help us to see things differently. And we see things differently. We experience truth differently. And we bring that back then to the scriptures and, and, and it plays a role in our uh, understanding of the scriptures. And so there's this, this hermeneutic cycle where, where we understand, hopefully, the, the will of God a little bit more. We bring that back to the scriptures and all of a sudden we see things we've never seen before and we take that back out into the world and there's this wonderful continual transformation that hopefully hopefully happens. That was taking place in Paul's life. It, it takes place through his writings. Um, this, the scriptures are, are not seen, it should not be seen as, as static. We do not want to take the word of God that has been made flesh and press it back into two-dimensional doctrinal word again. No, the, the spirit of Christ is loose in the world. God is at work in our lives uh, and continues to reveal new understandings of grace and freedom and liberty and truth and inclusion and beauty through it all. Uh, and, and, and so the interesting thing about Paul is that he kind of takes what was a little bit more of a provincial and domestic understanding, Jewish understanding of who Christ was, and helps to bridge it into, into more of a, in, in kind of to the known Western world at that time out of the East, um, and, and bridges it into Rome where we believe that he was, he was killed eventually for his preaching. Um, and, and, uh, and he was killed because for kind of the same reason Jesus was, you know, his, his teaching was, uh, was challenging. And, and I would like to think that, that he, he was, um, liberative, uh, in, in what he was saying and how he was treating Gentiles and, and Jews and, and slaves and free and, and women and men, you know, some of his most beautiful, Scripture passages, poetic, you know, speak about how in, in God's eyes we are all the same. We are all equal. And we repeat that. I repeat that passage at every baptism that, uh, that through Christ, uh, you know, we, we are one, one baptism, but uh, we are uh, slave or free, um, male or female, uh, Gentile or Jew. We are 
loved and we are one, we are equal in God's eyes. And because of that, that um, kind of radical teaching and, and his um, adherence to Jesus Christ as Lord rather than to Caesar as Lord, uh, Paul was eventually killed. And the weird thing is, is that his theology was was kind of then brought into what became known as the Roman Catholic Church. And this, this theology, this uh, kind of radical Jesus love, redeeming, uh, equating, uh, liberative, restorative theology was then kind of brought into the, the empire and, and, and used to uphold and actually um, calcify and, and re-entrench some, some ideas of, of male leadership and, and of, uh, of governmental and, and military leadership and dominance and, and even being used to, uh, to lead to the conversion of, of other peoples to the, you know, at the, at the edge of a sword. And so, um, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous book. This Bible, this gospel is beautiful and liberative, uh, uh, but as we see this theology uh, kind of growing through the writings of Paul to these different villages, these different groups of people that are meeting in different parts of the Roman Empire, we we see how the Spirit of Christ continues to work and teach and evolve, um, and and uh, and as we as we. Uh, you know, get get into these places of, of major influence and, and the, the Roman um, Empire kind of ends up absorbing in the, the teachings of Paul and of Jesus. We can see how also it can kind of be turned on its head and made to support some things that maybe weren't necessarily in line with or perhaps even antithetical to the good news, the, the liberation uh, of, the, of the captives and the... Uh, the justice and equity and forgiveness for all that is the endemic to to, to the gospel is um, is used for other reasons um, by by the empire. Um, so we've always got to be watching out for that today, um, and and what the gospel is doing and how it is being used or or, or misused. So that's a brief introduction to the apostle Paul, um, incredible man that he was, uh, frustrating, um, very much embedded in and a man of his time and his culture, um, but also a, uh, an interpreter of Jesus and a, uh, um, a pastor uh, who really kind of shaped Christianity, shaped our belief uh, to this day, and I think with a wise and humble reading and a reading that is inspired by the Spirit, um, the writings of Paul can continue to, to be supportive for us um, where we... Um, recognize the constraints or, or the limits of their um, um, specific writings for specific and, uh, and episodic issues and recognize more thoroughly the, the grace and the truth and the beauty that his, um, his theology uh, allows for and, uh, and teaches. So that's Paul. Um, where we'll go next, uh, I'm not quite sure, but stay tuned for, for episode six of the Bible for Beginners. I'm glad you are taking this journey with us. Take good care. Bye.